What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam. I'm joined here by Aaron because I am in the motherland. In Milwaukee. Actually, Aaron, it's pronounced Miliwake, which is Algonquin for the good land. I did not know that. All right, today we asked for uh, some questions from you. Aaron asked yesterday on Instagram for questions for this show, so we're just going to be kind of rapid fire, go through as many of the questions as we can. Some of these will maybe kick off to another week, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's see what you got. First question here for today is, with all these rising stars going up in value, if the season were to hit a wall, if there were to be some suspension or cancellation of the NBA season, do we see these players go down in price, these rising stars? I do kind of wonder if if we did have that second setback, if there was another disappointment like the NBA season canceling. Because, let's be honest, the way things have been going in the bubble so far, I would say it's still up in the air whether or not the season actually finishes. Maybe we might see a little bit of a price drop-off, but it wouldn't be all that different than a regular off-season drop-off, in my opinion. Next question is, what is your favorite Luka Doncic second-year card to invest in? I'll take this one. So as you know, rookie cards explode in value as these guys progress their careers. You know, Obviously, LeBron James' PSA 10s are now up to $15,000, and rookies are really what a ton of people target. However, the second-year card market is definitely somewhere where you can go to find some undervalued cards. You know, 2018 Jason Tatum, 2014 Giannis Antetokounmpo. For Luka... One of the cards I really like is the 2019 Optic Luca Hollow or numbered cards from Optic, and that goes for Prism and Select as well. Um, basically, any brand you'd want to buy for the rookie card, you definitely can look into for their second year card, get them graded. I think you can get Optic Hollows around $55 to $70 right now. Maybe send it to PSA, and I'm sure that they're pulling you over $200 at that point. So for me personally, that's where I'd like to go with Luca's second year. Question number three is, would you bank on Ja or Zion long-term? Yeah, I think both of them are on a really interesting trajectory. I think Ja, he's on a trajectory to be one of the really exciting young point guards in the league. We all love exciting point guards, especially the athletic, flashy, you know, sky-high dunker types, and that's exactly what Ja is. Uh, where it is, he put on some muscle already in the in the last three months, so that's really cool. We'll see how he looks coming into the, the, the restart. Um, but, you know, with Zion... What he was doing, unhealthy and, and kind of out of shape in just 20 games or whatever it was, uh, that was just, you know, astronomical stuff. And, you know, he's really trending in a good direction. There's a ton of hype around him. The prices are already sky high. But you know, a lot of the ways he's been looking is that he should be, you know, one of those all-time type of players. So I guess Zion generally, but you can't really go wrong with either. Question number four is, do you think Trey Young is an investment or a quick sell here with his cards rapidly going up in price, even though he's not in the Orlando bubble? If you held a couple Trey Youngs, I think it would be wise to maybe sell and also hold. You know, some of the numbers that he was putting up in his second year, these are things that we haven't really seen. You know, 30 points and 10 assists out of a second year player, that is insane. And of course, there are some, you know, warts on his game in general. Uh, there are a number of things about him that make the team building structure pretty difficult and some of the moves that the Hawks have made uh, over the past season, kind of questionable. Um, but I really do like Trey Young, and I really like what he brings, and a lot of people just generally really love the way he plays, so he's going to have some long-term value, um, but if say if you had two, I wouldn't be opposed to selling one and keeping one. 
Question number five is if you were to go and buy a $50 slab, uh, which is a PSA or BGS graded card, what would you target? And it's getting very difficult to find PSA or BGS graded cards around $50 of players you actually want to buy. You can find a lot of players that you know might not have much potential at all around that $50 range. But if you're looking at a $50 slab, you're most likely looking at a PSA 9 of some type of prism or select or optic card of a decent rookie from the past three years. You know, I'm not going to go and point you in one way or another for, for that player. I'll let you either watch Sam Dunk videos or go and find on your own. But, you know, PSA 9 of one of those cards. How do you see Jaron Jackson Jr. cards going throughout the restart here? Will he move up like Ja as they start playing that in that eight seed trying to lock it up? Or, you know, is he not as safe as maybe a Ja play? You know, I think... I think the most likely case scenario is that the Grizzlies end up locking up the eighth spot in the in the conference playoffs. Uh, they have a three-game lead, three-and-a-half game lead, whatever it is, on, on the Blazers and the Pelicans and the Kings. Uh, the Blazers have one of the toughest eight-game schedules for the restart. The Pelicans have the easiest. It wouldn't be a huge surprise if the Pelicans ended up passing the Grizzlies, but the Grizzlies is actually also easier than it was going to be if the season had continued as normal. Uh, the Grizzlies were playing really, really well. Everyone knew that the Pelicans were coming for them, but the Grizzlies were holding them off. Uh, we'll have to see what happens, but I really think that the Grizzlies stand a pretty good chance of just making the playoffs and keeping that eight seed. And if that's the case, you know, obviously John Morant's going to be getting a lot of attention, but Jaron Jackson Jr., he had a good season. He still maybe has another leap in his tank, maybe this offseason, although maybe he'll come right now. He had three months off to work on his body, work on his game maybe a little bit. Um, I think getting all the eyes in the entire world focused on the Grizzlies playing that first-round matchup against the Lakers, you know, it could really, really do a lot for Jaron Jackson Jr.'s cards also. Next question is, any insights on R.J. Barrett? Could he benefit from a coaching change like Wendell Carter Jr.? Well, I really think R.J. Barrett does obviously have a lot of potential. Third overall pick last year. Uh, basically, right now, all he is is potential because his rookie season was so disastrous. He needs a coaching change. He needs a culture change up there in New York. It, the whole team was just so selfish, so self-serving, uh, stacked with all these veteran players that were really only interested in trying to get their next contract or get traded to a contender. R.J. Barrett, it's going to be impossible for him to thrive in that situation. He's extremely inefficient this past year. Uh, really didn't do too much, you know, well at all. But I, I do believe that obviously he has all the skills still that got him drafted third. And a coaching change can only help him. Uh, something really needs to change for him, though. Next question is, how high do you think the Luka Doncic Prism PSA 10 rookie will go? I'll take this one. It's a very difficult thing to answer. I don't think anyone can sit here and say, oh, I think that the Luka PSA 10 will be $1,500, will be only $1,000, will be $2,000. Because as we've seen over the past three, four, five months, it's really impossible to predict where the peaks can be for these cards. I mean, NBA comes back, Luka pulls off an upset on the two seed or something. And, you know, he's dropped some triple doubles. Who knows where this card could be? It depends on how many people want to buy it, what the demand looks like. Basically, I'm not trying to say that this thing is infinity, up to infinity, because it's probably not, obviously. But there is definitely a range of where this thing can land, and there's no really certain place we can put it. It just depends on how Luca performs in this restart and then going forward, how new money, new demand perceives Luca and the Prism PSA 10. Next question is, thoughts on Obsidian Basketball? Um, the first product line was in 2018 and 2019. Do you see it becoming like a 2012 Prism? 
So first off, I think that the 2018 draft class can very much so be perceived as a like a home run like the 2012 draft class was because of all the combined, uh, you know, with the lockout. There's two different draft classes and, and one product with 2012 Prism. I don't think 2018 Obsidian will get the type of love that 2012 Prism ever will or even the perception as this is a first-year product, let's chase this thing down. I really think that with that, you know, you'll look at more of the the sets that have stayed over time and those sets will really be the huge ones. I don't think we'll see Obsidian coming out of nowhere as like, oh, first year set came out, let's chase it hard. I think people will always want to chase the Prism Optic Select plus, you know, National Treasures, Immaculate Contenders. There's just, there's just so much out there now compared to when 2012 hit that you really can't hit everything. Will John Morant win the Rookie of the Year and will his cards go up because of it? I think he pretty obviously is going to win the Rookie of the Year if... If Zion Williamson had played the full season, obviously it would be Zion's. That's not the case. Uh, John Morant, he's done really well all season long. He took the Grizzlies from a from a bad team to being the eighth seed and one of the most exciting young teams in basketball. Uh, I do think a lot of the price change from winning Rookie of the Year has already been baked into his prices over the year. I don't think it's going to be a huge surprise to anyone that he wins Rookie of the Year. Maybe we'll see a little bit of fluctuation immediately, but I think the majority of the change has already taken place. Next question, is Jason Tatum still a buy with his cards going up a ton leading into the restart? I think generally he's a buy just because of the next 10 years or so. The next the next decade of Celtics basketball is going to be good with Jason Tatum, uh, especially with Jalen Brown and, and assuming that they're able to continue building around those guys as they, you know, they've always showed that they are able to under Danny Ainge. So is he overvalued right now? Is he too high? What's his, you know, what's his actual price? You know, all that stuff. We'll just let the mar- market dictate that. He's obviously higher than a lot of guys from his same draft class at the moment, and a lot of guys in general. But if you look at the next ten years of what he's probably going to be doing in Boston, you know, there's just not a lot to hate on. Um, I really think that you know the sky's the limit for his value. Next question is, with the 2020 draft and season being delayed, the upcoming season after the bubble is done, how does that affect the new rookies coming along and then their cards to be released? So if you look at the 2018 draft, the 2019 draft, both of those were you know, really exciting drafts from the, you know, a, a draft analyst perspective. 2020 draft, you know, there's still good players in it, but it doesn't have that high, high-end talent. At least you know, none of the, the home run, automatic home run type of talents that we've grown accustomed to over the past couple of drafts. Uh, there's still a number of players that, that I really like and I'm really excited for, um, but there may be the type of guys that would traditionally go four, five, six, seven in a, in a typical draft. Uh, there'll probably be some steals. You know, I think of the 2013 NBA draft. That was also one where right when it was done, you know, they were saying this might be the first one where we don't have any all-stars out of a draft. Well, we got Giannis at 15th. We got uh, Rudy Gobert at 30th, uh, Oladipo at third or fifth or whatever he went. So, or second. So I think there are still going to be players like that in this draft. It is going to be tough, though, coming into the season with the delay. There's only going to be like a couple weeks of an off season in between the end of the season and the beginning of the new one. Um, So, you know, all of the regular off season development that young players are used to and grow into, that's going to be tough, especially for, you know, point guards. It's a point guard heavy draft. Point guard is probably the hardest position to go from college to the NBA because so much of it revolves around you running a team on the NBA court. So I think we're going to see a lot of of uh, faltering from young players, young point guards that just don't have that development time. Maybe that'll bake in some disappointment in their card markets. And then we can just capitalize moving forward if we 
take the time to analyze the players and what they actually do and can identify who's going to be successful moving forward with a full offseason. Next question here is from our very own Slab Stocks, Nate. Svi Mikhailuk, is he a future star or a future superstar? It looks like that there's no terrible player, which he is. So, Sam, take this one away. <laughs> I don't really have anything to say. Uh, future super tramp. Not very good. <laughs> Ooh, well, I, I mean, I like him all right, but I don't think he's going to do anything. So, sorry, Nate. Question here is, Sam, what are your thoughts on buying the second best player on a team, Jaron Jackson Jr. or DeAndre Aiden, for example, versus you know the perceived stars in Devin Booker and John Morant? And this applies to all teams too, not just those two players. I think you have value in buying the, the second best players on a team. Um, you know, when ESPN throws up the graphic and it's like LeBron versus Giannis, they're not usually showing like, well, I guess Anthony Davis isn't a, a good example, but <laughs> usually Chris Middleton's not ending up on that that uh, slide there. So, you know, just from general perception and, and who's actually carrying the team, the second player just is kind of going to get short shrift in that regard, even if he does have a lot to do with the team's success. But I do think generally, especially if you're talking about good contending playoff teams, second player is going to be a fine investment. The Suns, you, know, you mentioned Aiton. Suns probably aren't going to be contending for the playoffs anytime soon. I like both Booker and Aiton. I think they have a lot of potential together. How long is Booker going to want to hang around in Phoenix? I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, there's just you know, you have to look at the team itself and, and where they're going to go over the next five years, uh, determine the the ceiling of that second player. And if he could actually be an all-star, you know, then the second player is a good investment. But if it's a middling team or a non-contending team and the second player isn't an all-star, I think, you know, pretty clearly you're not going to get much return on your value there. Next question is, why are some players Prism Silver PSA 9s selling less than their P Prism Base PSA 10s? This happens sometimes. If you're looking at guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander, his Prism card is a very tough grade, both in the base, the silver, and the numbered. For some reason, the, the print run on these, the centering was pretty off, um, and it's causing a lot of tough grades on them. The Prism base PSA 10 is a really, really, really low PSA 10 gem rate, so his Prism base PSA 10 sells for a lot because the PSA 10s are rare. The PSA 9 Silver, I think, sells around 240 right now. The base PSA 10 sells around 300-ish. If you look at a guy like Luka Doncic, where his prism base PSA 10 rate is around 70%, his PSA 10 base is selling around 850 right now, but his PSA 9 Silver is selling over $1,000. So that's a little flip case there. This happens you know, very infrequently, I'd say, but still happens, so it's something to keep an eye on. I still think PSA 9 Silver is a way to go over PSA 10 base. I get that people love the gemming copies. They love seeing the 10. But also we have to keep in mind that Silver, I would say, puts it above being a PSA 10. Like I'd rather have a Silver with the rarity with how it looks than just the base in the PSA 10 case.